What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Love Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Party people, this is Mr. V of Confessions of a Curly Mind, broadcasting through Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Right, the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Cosmic, Cosmic Radio. Twisted Soul. Futuristica Radio. You're listening to the Blue and Green podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com. Welcome, friends. You're tuned in to another episode of the Blue and Green podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in to uh, our episode today. My name is Imran. We have a really great show. Before we uh, jump in, however, a quick reminder that the Blue and Green podcast runs in conjunction with Blue in Green Radio, the online internet radio station uh, that broadcasts from London and hosts shows uh, exclusive to our airwaves from across the whole wide world, as well as uh, so we have lots of places in the in the UK. We have Paris, France. We have uh, Melbourne, Australia, Niigata, Japan, Denver, Colorado. San Jose, California. So uh, we're, we're really, really excited um, about our content, and even more excited about the music that we uh, we love to champion on uh, on our airwaves. So we'd love for you to check us out at blueandgreenradio.com. You'll find the full backlist catalog of our of our podcasts. You'll find our radio stream, of course, as as well as a whole bunch of reviews and interviews on our site as well. So uh, please check us out at blueingreenradio.com. Uh, as we said, really excited about today's episode. Uh, we're talking to an artist who is very much indicative of kind of the, that kind of um, that aesthetic that we like to champion uh, so much so on uh, on on our station. Uh, we're talking to Alex Hitchcock, um, saxophonist, producer, composer, band leader, uh, and just an incredible resume and. Um, um, his music is is, is is massively exciting and I've, I've wanted to sort of have the opportunity to sit down and talk with him for one of these episodes for quite some time and um, yeah very very happy um, that he was so gracious with his time and this um, we're talking specifically about his brand new album entitled Dream Band and it's a good project to have that this kind of conversation with because there's so much uh, great things to discuss uh, about it, he has basically assembled what um, is dubbed here as, as, a, as a dream band. So we have got uh, some and a really amazing lineup uh, of musicians contributing to the project, including uh, Shane Forbes, uh, Will Barry, uh, Will Sack. We have uh, Ferg Island. Um, we've got a couple of great vocalists from Sharice Adams Burnett and uh, Midori Yeager. Lucito Quintero is part of the project as well. So it's a really awesome uh, lineup uh, recorded over th- a three day session uh, in May 2021. Uh, and um, so it's awesome. It's a great project to kind of sit down and have this time with uh, Alex to discuss. Uh, we're also very fortunate to, dis- to discuss, excuse me. His uh, past projects, uh, his quintet album from uh, late to late, late, late 2019. Um, and we also get to talk about his contribution to the amazing lineup of uh, Resolution 88 as well. So, uh, yeah, very, very fortunate uh, to have had this time. And uh, I think you're going to get a lot out of the episode. So um, we regular listeners of the, the podcast will know we feature two songs per episode. Uh, our guest, as always, gets to pick the closing number. 
but I had the luxury of picking the opening one and uh, an artist uh, or, or a contributor that we discuss in relation to Alex's music uh, for this album and past releases is uh, the brilliant vocalist Sharice uh, uh, Adams Burnett and uh, I thought it'd be fun to pick one of her, her two contributions to the Dream Band lineup so uh, for my pick I am going to go with uh, To Love Itself which is a really really beautiful song and uh, one of my faves from from, uh, from Dream Band, so I thought it'd be a great introduction uh, to the project. So we're going to play this song, and then when we come back, we will have uh, again the incredible luxury of sitting down to discuss this amazing project uh, with uh, its creator, uh, Mr. Alex Hitchcock. Thank you very much for tuning in, my friends. Um, please, uh, I hope you very much enjoy the episode. <laughs>
Uh, yeah, I'm fine, thanks, man. I'm sorry to be. I'm sorry to be late. I've been doing this um, little side hustle um, throughout lockdown, and I was just rushing to get some some bits finished. Um, side hustle. The, the most intriguing words ever uttered on a podcast. <laughs> 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 I'll, I'll, I'll respect your privacy and say nothing more. <laughs> oh no, I mean, I'm, yeah, it's uh, no, it's kind of. I'm I'm happy to talk about it. It's, it's um, I've been doing it for six months. It's a really good. It's a charity called um, Prisoners Education Trust, where I had a. I've got a really good friend working there, and he was he said nothing but good things about it and I work in a couple of days a week for them and basically if you're in prison you uh, you can get GCSE level maths and English courses but that's about it so if you want to study something that's not that you can apply to this charity and they will hook you up with funding to do a distance learning course which obviously in the pandemic has been quite quite important um, but really nice people great organization that's amazing. That's that's really incredible. What 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 kind of what do you do as part of it? Or? No, so I, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty hands off. I'm I'm in there fundraising. Well, hands off in t- in terms of um, well, prison visits aren't really happening at the moment because mm. the majority of them are still locked down with with COVID. But I think even in normal times, I'm just part of their fundraising team. So I kind of I kind of, when I applied for the job, I kind of lent on having done arts council funding applications for tours and stuff before right. and that that kind of thing. Um, so it just tends to be a lot of um, writing of fairly interesting reports on how money gets used and what impact it has on people's lives and stuff like that so it's um it's really nice man just it's just working from working from home but I've I've kind of met a few of my colleagues in the pub because their office is only just up the road from Mm. me and Oval and I live in Camberwell so uh yeah I think I you know I want to carry on doing it uh you know regardless of how much gigging and touring and stuff comes Mm. back that's amazing congratulations it's so cool to kind of find these new things over there kind of the lockdown could, could be its own blessing in a, in a, in a way and i mean that with all respect to people who have been affected in negative ways but kind of having these opportunities to take on new kind of challenges and uh, interests and things like that must uh, yeah you must feel fantastic so congratulations to you oh uh, yeah i mean thanks a lot it's um yeah it's it's really nice to work on something different and i completely agree with you as well in the way that you that you phrase that because it's it, it's hard um it's hard to phrase respectfully ways yeah. in which there have been silver linings from the pandemic given the, the sort of death and destruction and misery that is caused for so many yeah. people so i i get what you mean you always have to be a little bit careful about talking about sort of personal upsides um don't you um mm. But yeah, I, I guess that's that's been one for me that's come out of the whole thing. Well, how how has your experience been in general? I mean, it's we're somewhat approaching. Well, I know we're, we're sort of still in it, sort of, mm. um, but we're approaching almost two years next year. Next, like March, I think it is, will be two Man. years. I mean, how? I mean, you've you've still been crazy busy during that period, though, from a from releases that you've put out. But how how has that period been in general? Um. Yeah, it, it yeah up and up and down. I guess from a releasing point of view, you're you're right. I've still tried to be fairly on top of things. So I had a record out um, on Edition Records last year in May um, with Tom Barford, and right. we have a band called Orb with um, Ferg Island and James Madrin. Um, so obviously that had already been in the can and that had already been planned to come out in May 2020. So he sort of just ploughed ahead with it, pandemic notwithstanding. Mm. Um, and I mean, it was really, you know, it was really nice. It kind of, it, it's the first thing I've put out that did okay on streaming. And it's just amazing to see that, you know, there's people in Brazil and Japan and, you know, and 
places where I myself haven't been that people were engaging with the music or seem to be engaging with it and, and be into it. So again, you know, putting that out in the pandemic kind of made me really appreciate that you're able to do that with music and that people were getting something out of it, I hope. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, otherwise I've been, um, I've been writing for um, this Dream Band project, which is coming out in, in November. I, I did a lot of the writing for that last year and then we recorded that in May this year. And I've also been working on um, a remote recording project which I know is <laughs> sort of maybe not as much in fashion now as it was um but I've been <laughs> with the uh with the guitarist Ant Law and basically the the sort of premise of that was to work with people uh geographically who we wouldn't under normal circumstances be able to be able to work with just because of their touring schedules or where they were so we really focused on people um in the US and in Europe mainly on that project and uh, who knows when that will come out but it's all mixed which is quite exciting that is really exciting. It's um, how have you kind of got a home for it yet, or um, is that part of the fun sh- part? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the short answer to that is 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 no. I'm quite keen um, to sort of get across to the labels that we're talking to that it's not. Uh, and with all respect to the sort of split screen recording thing, because that was of its time and that was great and it was wicked to see people connecting mm. and doing that kind of thing but we're trying to sort of impress upon them I guess that it's, it's not just that and we were quite um, careful in the way that we did the recording we were sending takes back and forth so you you try and you know try and replicate some of that interaction as much as as possible that you would get in a live studio but also it's just a new way of doing things and you have to accept that you're not in the same place and there's some sort of like musical opportunities in terms of the post-production you can do and the way you can layer things up that that actually you, you get with remote recording that you don't get with in-person recording so I, I kind of wanted to embrace the fact that it's a remote recording, if that makes sense, and the, the sort of challenges that presents, but also the sort of musical opportunities. Yeah, that it, it's it's a fascinating in sort of in contrast because obviously with uh, Dream Band, you, you've you've recorded that all together over the course of was it two three days so you kind mm. of to kind of to, to take that kind of recording process to I don't know what's, how do you say it, the next evolution of kind of mm. how music's been made and and it's sort of indicative of that you know we talk I, I guess it, it is always interesting to, to, to when talking to someone like yourself to, to discuss the quarantine and pandemic because I think music changed or how music was sort of made and consumed changed so much you know and you had to see the industry kind of adapt to it you know people mm-hmm. doing like facebook performances and the tip jar thing and band camp mm-hmm. friday and and all these amazing things that kind of you know people had to adapt and and sort of change how they did things uh so they, this is sort of a, a a project as you say it's sort of a, a sign of the times it was kind of made in so i think that makes it for me very very you know an intriguing uh, aspect to to the release mm. Oh well, that's yeah. That's um. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear you're intrigued. <laughs> it's got Alec Hitchcock's name on it. Of course, I'm intrigued. <laughs> oh man, well you've you've been so supportive. I because I, we we kind of got in touch. I think when you wrote a review of um my first album on yeah. on, on Fresh Sound, um and the review that you wrote was 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 a really nice one, and it was really detailed, and it seemed like you like you know really checked out the music and thought about it. But then 
also it's kind of nice just to be in touch with you aside from that right because a lot of the time especially sometimes if you're working with PR I think people people will be really supportive of your music or or you know seem seem like they were into it and then because someone in PR sent it you don't really get in touch with people whereas it's so nice to actually be you know in in touch with you and kind of chatting and and that kind of thing because that's that's the point of it right you know you're not yeah <laughs> it's yeah I, I don't know I'm not articulating that no well, I think you are you're very kind though thank you very much I, I appreciate you saying that so uh yeah no it's it's kind of uh I I mean just sort of just from a fan perspective you know looking at kind of what you've kind of continued to put out and I I think I kind of when it came to the dream band project and I get to sit down with it and listen to it I'm thinking you know it's almost like a, a decided take with your releases that everything I'm not saying by any means that you you make it like a like a gimmick to to make it different you know but mm. it's almost like you've sat down with a project and thought right what what is going to be unique about this one what is going to completely change or reinvent how I've done things before so you mentioned the your project which is a great thing I I wanted to discuss that with you a little later on as well but you have your quintet kind of set up you had the uh, the ep that uh, preceded it and now you have the dream band project and it's sort of it's 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 always really exciting just even on paper whether you know anyone had heard anything just to look at all of that and obviously resolution 88 as well you know mm. just these these incredible kind of array of 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 different kind of uh just of facets to your music it's almost like it it, it your enjoyment for it screams out through those through that kind of approach you know it's almost like you're fully aware of what a gift this is and what an opportunity it is to kind of put your name to to releases of this caliber and you're not wasting it and it's amazing to see it so yeah congratulations to you oh man that's so kind of you um i know yeah i'm really glad it i'm really glad it comes across in that way i think yeah i I think i am kind of happy to be able to work with all these sort of different types of people in these different contexts and i guess part of um this album the sort of dream band thing it was a product of its time because people were just more around so it was you know the the idea of actually putting together a three-day recording session with consecutive days and a different band on each day just felt Mm. more doable but it was kind of I don't know I was thinking about what I was going to do for the next recording and there's just there's so many great musicians around it feels like an obvious thing to say but you know um I, I think there's obviously lot you know a lot to be said for recording a whole album with one band and you hear how the sort of music is in in just their hands but at the same time you know there's so many great people about that I get to play with and I kind of wanted to document that first of all and not that they need my help being showcased because they're all you know doing great things and stuff but I just kind of wanted to put that out there and be like look look up you know, look, look at this like tiny cross section of the scene that I'm in and look at all these amazing musicians mm. that are around. Um, so I kind of, yeah, I kind of thought of it a little bit like uh, curating, if that doesn't feel like a super <laughs> arrogant thing to no, say, just, just, just kind of putting these combinations of musicians together and seeing how they, they'd yeah. shape the music and how they'd sound. I think that was going to be my question. I thought with uh, with Dream Band, it was a case of was it you sat down and said, right, Dream Band, let's go and make a list accordingly, or was it a case of you've assembled this this epic Avenger style team and then you sat down <laughs> and said, this is a Dream Band? <laughs> I wonder which, what kind of version came first, but I guess almost the title kind of came first and kind of filling that 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 sort of list of of what that would comprise. Is that right? 
Yeah, kind of. And I kind of, you're, you're right. And I also sort of wanted to undercut the idea of, of a, because I think a, a dream, the idea of a dream band in itself could, could seem a little bit maybe sentimental. I don't know. And I, I kind of wanted to undercut that idea slightly by having, you know, three on one, on one record. So there's, there's more than one possible dream band, obviously. And they're just sort of combinations that you come up with in your head that you've never heard before and you'd really like to hear together. Um, so that kind of combined with the idea that I'd love to do a volume two with three more bands or however many however many it was Mm. um you you know so i'm I'm kind of um yeah just thinking about these combinations that you in inverted commas dream up Mm. um you know you've got lots of uh pairings and groups of musicians within the bands that i recorded with that have played together for a long time like jazz kaiser and will sash and shane forbes and joe downard and then um you know uh, the last one with jason brown ferg and noah i don't think is a combination that's ever played together before um so you've kind of got that combination of some people know each other really well some people are playing together for the first time mm. um and i kind of would hope that makes it that's a sort of added angle of interest from a listening yeah. point of view had you had personal sort of uh, relationships with everyone on there or were there any people that you reached out to for the first time um i guess there was probably two people i reached out to for the first time one was um luisito quintero who is a, a amazing yeah. incredible grammy nominated you know um, percussionist absolute monster um and he was recommended to me by aunt Laura actually um there's a Jeremy Pelt live record from a few years ago from, I think, Live in Paris it is. Um, and he's got, he added a percussionist to what was otherwise quite sort of, um, you know, sort of kind of contemporary quartet jazz, but he had the percussionist. And I love the way that that augmented the texture. So I reached out to Luisito and he recorded remotely, actually, because he lives in the States. Um, and then also Midori Jaeger, who sings and plays cello. Uh, on the album I'd never worked with before. I just saw her doing a cover on um, YouTube. Do you know the band Glasshopper? It's led by a sax player called Johnny Chung. I think so, yeah, yeah. Um, she does, she she comps herself on cello, um, like pizzicato, and then sings, and she did a cover of one of their songs, and I thought that was amazing. So got in touch and asked if she'd like to record. So that was the first time I'd worked with her as well. Yeah, I actually, I, I the uh, the Midori um, uh, Jaeger artist, I hadn't heard of her before, but I've subsequently mm. purchased her music on Bandcamp now as well. Oh, amazing! Uh, nice so one. yeah, I thought she was she was amazing. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, I thought she was a great addition to uh, to your lineup as well. So yeah, mm-hmm. and Lucy, yeah, and to, yeah. The, and to the live gig as well, um, Midori. Brilliant. She's yeah. Sorry, you were going to say Lucy. No, I was going to say yeah, Luisito. He was. Um, I remember going through the the track list of of, of not track list, but sorry, your the personnel uh, mm. that you had for the the project. And I was like, oh my gosh, like yeah, you're right. Monster, monster name to ha- to have included. It was, yeah, really exciting dynamic to to have uh, him a part he, of it. He was so nice as well, just because obviously I've you know I've never met him, and I kind of talked to him on the phone a little bit about what I wanted, and he was sort of incredibly generous with his with his time, as was his studio engineer. So mm-hmm. that's kind of. A relationship that I'd like to keep going, but, oh, you know, especially with um, you know, having not played with him in person, and I'm thinking a little bit about that remote recording project I was right. mentioning to you as yeah. well. Like, it really whets your appetite to play with some of some of these people in in person. You know, getting yeah. the getting the remote takes back. Well, for the for the the dream band, the dream band, uh, kind of the aspect of it, there was that notion of it was US and UK uh, mm-hmm. kind of artists. Was that 
a compulsory part of of that process or was that just the fact that they were split between just those two countries was that just a, a, a coincidence as such yeah, I guess so. I mean, not at all compulsory. I guess it's, it's probably, to be honest, more of a PR angle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> having, 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 having read um, the the excellent PR agencies, um, you know, uh, press <laughs> text, they kind of they kind of picked up on the fact that that there was from sort of That's both good. sides of the Atlantic. Yeah, um, I guess part of it was Jason Brown and the great American drummer Jason Brown's living in London at the moment, so it seems. Um, you know, like a, a real waste not to at least try and record with with him while he's here, just because he's he's amazing. And mm-hmm. then um, Chris Cheek, uh, who recorded sax, um, was the reason I was on Fresh Sound in the first place. It was his recommendation that got me the first amazing. album on on Fresh Sound, and I was lucky enough to play with him a couple of years ago on a few gigs when he was when he was over in the UK. So I really wanted to hear him um, on it. There was one track in particular that I really heard his particular sax tone on um, and then similar for David Adawumi who's a trumpet playing friend of mine um, absolutely ridiculous musician that lives in lives in New York and I met him sort of four or five years ago and I was thinking well I'd love to go there and record with him at some point but I was thinking well you know who knows how long the pandemic will last so I mm. sort of wanted to get him on this in the meantime and he sounds sounds great. Have you kind of considered the the, the, the touring aspect of of being banned or is that just like no forget it like <laughs> it's, it's not going to happen right now or yeah no it's a, it's a good question i mean i think we got we've we've got sort of we've had three gigs um the end of the end of this year and we're doing that album launch at ronnie's in a couple of well i'm not sure exactly when you're putting this out but it's on november the 4th so mm-hmm. from when we're speaking um just over a week's time and then i've got some dates in the diary for next year and i guess the appeal of having so many people on the album is you could go out on tour with so many different bands and that would keep things really exciting <laughs> certainly keep me on my toes yeah um so yes i would like to tour it quite difficult to book gigs at the moment um just because a lot of stuff that was cancelled from the pandemic has sort of been shunted forward um into 2022 and you know rightly so because people should keep their gigs but it does does make booking a sort of coherent tour a little bit mm. of a challenge at the minute yeah, I mean, I, I, one of the things I was going to mention earlier was uh, you, you talked about the Orb project got kind of, uh, you know, it, it kind of came out right as the, the quarantine had kind of kicked in. But you had the All Good Things uh, thing, which I think that album may have come out just before, uh, like, oh, you know, yeah. it, the lockdown was sort of in effect in the UK. So I was, yeah, that was something I was wondering about was promotion for that impacted and sort of in any way as well. That record was kind of, from a promotional and touring point of view, was kind of done and dusted. I think by the end of twenty nineteen, because oh, we did wow. like a yeah, we we did a UK tour. We 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 did some some decent dates. I think it was fourteen or fifteen dates um, in the summer in the UK with that um, with that album, um, and did a little bit of playing abroad as well. Yeah, so that so the touring that was really impacted by the pandemic was the Orb mm-hmm. one because um, Edition were giving us some really good support on um, helping us book some gigs in Europe, and we had some nice stuff lined up. And now, obviously, that all, all of that just got cancelled. So um, oh we will have to, uh, yeah, I we'll have to get back on it with rebooking that tour. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned about obviously how you came to to fresh sound and um, that was going to be one of my questions as well so i mean it's they they're not like chock-a-block with like uk acts you know mm-hmm. they've got a great kind of a, array of artists from you know around the, the entire world which is it's kind of amazing to have your name i imagine attached to this this wonderful kind of 
um, vision of of contemporary jazz and you know from a global perspective like that that must be are they an amazing label to be kind of to be affiliated with yeah it's really it's really cool it's kind of i think it's a bit of a sort of bucket list label in the sense that they they've just as you say they've got so much amazing stuff on it and the sort of heritage of that label is pretty cool um i think because especially in the 90s there was this in the 90s and early 2000s there was this kind of quite strong hookup between musicians in Barcelona and musicians in New York um, and that kind of led to Fresh Sound putting out debuts by people like Brad Meldow and Ambrose Akin Mazira and wow. um, Kurt Rosenwinkel and stuff yeah. like that so it's really cool to be in a stable Walter Smith I think is on it it's really cool to be in a stable with people like that as well as sort of as you say people from around the world mm. um so yeah it's just got such a strong sort of heritage that label and then Jordi um Pujol who's the uh, who's the f- founder owner he runs the label yeah. basically has always been super supportive and they gave some funding to record this second album so so yeah it's a it's a great label yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, thinking about it, you're actually you've been attached to some fantastic labels in general. I mean, from but like uh, for resolution, you've got um, uh, Splash Blue and Legere. You've mm. got Edition, uh, as you say. It's a, uh, it's a, yeah. You've you're kind of racking up an amazing kind of catalogue amongst the amongst some heavyweight labels, right? Yeah, I mean the the addition the addition ones is 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 a kind of good case in point because being on Splash Blue that was founded by um, Incognito's Bluey, yeah. Bluey, yeah, and and then um, also I I, th- I think in conjunction with um, Jules Fontenelle who's a who's just an amazing supporter of the music in general, you know, there's like resolution 88 gigs that i've done where he's not been in the crowd have been in like a small minority you know he's like always there and he's always supporting so it was yeah really cool to do that with them and then leger i actually know less about um but i know that they're based in i know that they're based in germany and yeah. hopefully that that opens up some sort of touring possibilities mm. yeah i mean um, they're kind of lineage with i guess traditionally funk and soul kind mm. of uh acts um and um yeah always made i thought uh, resolution a really kind of cool addition to uh mm-hmm. to their their catalog as well so um uh so yeah i think is it uh it was tom's kind of connection i think through miles sanko if i remember correctly uh, i think because the work he had done with uh with with them it gave gave you guys the in with them That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> there, there you go i'm learning something new <laughs> <laughs> and you guys met in the yeah, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> um how, how are things going with resolution 88 you're like three albums in um mm. uh, is, there, is there talk of you guys pairing up again uh for anything uh imminent or is there, are there discussions bubbling aware of people doing their own thing for now or uh, that's, a, that's a good question i mean for me it's always it's always been you know something that's along a lo- alongside anything that i'm doing under my own name and you know anytime there's an opportunity to record an album i'm sort of i'm sort of well up for it um we we're still we're, we're gigging a little bit i know we're doing some ronnie scott's late shows in december and Amazing. we had a gig in um leon in france for a festival there a couple of a couple of weeks ago it was amazing to get abroad yeah um, <laughs> um i ate some pretty intense food in in leon they're pretty keen on that <laughs> <laughs> their, uh, their, their nose to tail sort of a tra- treatment of um of meat eating out there which was which was pretty full-on and interesting um <laughs> but um and delicious obviously um 
but but yeah, I I think you know Tom's Tom's always always got plans, and hopefully the sort of next album's not not too far away. It's a great band for me to play in because mm. I just musically I don't come from that background at all, you know. Um, so it's a real challenge for me to sort of actually fit in with that idiom and sounds convincing and um, and that kind of thing. And it's all it's a different context for the gigs as well. It's more often than not a standing up crowd, you know. It's it's just quite a different vibe. So it's it's so good for me to be stretched in that way and tom's music is is hard and is getting harder i think i've noticed oh wow okay i think the albums have kind of gone that way haven't they they've they have Mm. kind of it's i think from the first album it was really interesting because you, you kind of you all kind of created this this kind of core sound which gave you the freedom to just go off in in any direction and and for it to be a logical kind of path for you guys to take because you've got remixes by Katie Tatham and Simon Gray Mm. and you know they're just again they're all logical extensions from everything that you guys had initially put down it kind of you veered off into hip-hop and later releases as well more broken beat stuff and it's it's really exciting to kind of see the evolution of, of of this collective as it kind of progresses yeah it's i mean it's a wicked band to be in from that point of view and you know someone like tom he's got such a sort of deep well of influences from herbie hancock and then people like kylie tatham as well like he's you know he's he's so um he's got so much reverence for these these musicians um so yeah it's just really it's really cool to see where he goes musically Mm. you're absolutely right that's interesting that you said that you you know that that it was sort of wasn't something that you were initially comfortable with what was Mm. your kind of your your kind of lead into when you started getting into, I guess, jazz first and foremost, you know, how, how did that kind of come about? And then, um, yeah, I, I, I'd say that's really interesting. I, I wouldn't have thought, I would never have suspected that, that you felt sort of almost, um, that you found it a challenge in some capacity. Oh, well, that's good. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I, I, you know, to be, to be fair, I feel sort of challenged in a lot of musical situations. I mean, it's just in sort of different ways. And the, the Rezo one is, is kind of just not necessarily coming from that sort of musical background. I guess my emphasis has always been on sort of jazz, contemporary jazz, black American music, that, that kind of thing. But obviously black American music is a, is a really wide, yeah. <laughs> is, is a, is a sort of really wide umbrella and obviously the kind of jazz funk that resolution 88 does falls within that but i mean the you know the people that i was listening to when i was getting into saxophone were like coleman hawkins and joshua redmond and i guess in general a little bit more straight ahead um so yeah i just i when i first played with with that band i just never really played music like that like that before and it's kind of you deliver it in a slightly different way as as well. I think as a single horn player in that band, as opposed to a single horn player playing sort of acoustic, contemporary jazz, like the the way that you perform is slightly different. I think, and the way that you interact with the band and phrase things and stuff. And also, I wasn't the first sax player in that project. George Crowley, the you know um, brilliant British tenor player, George Crowley was uh, in that band first. So it was kind of big shoes to right. to fill from the start. Right, yeah, yeah, but yeah, well, well, it's a it's a great collective. As I said, you, yeah, you've um, um, you had a great point actually about sort of finding yourself almost uncomfortable in a variety of different uh, you know mm. things outside of that. That's a really great approach, though, isn't it? Like uh, I always thought, art art in any context should always challenge its creator as opposed to as as much as the person that consumes it, whether you're watching it, reading it, listening to it. You know, it's yeah. kind of great to be in that situation where you're, you know, you where you are challenged because if you're playing it safe, then that's that's a problem in and of itself, isn't it? 
Yeah, and it's it's context dependent as well because sometimes it's so satisfying to go to a gig and hear something that's just incredibly polished and basically is the same every night but delivered delivered amazing. Um, and that's really cool as well. I mean, it's not my thing from a compositional or band leading point of view, but but that can be really um it can be equally exciting to listen to because it's it's like a show, it's a performance kind of thing whereas I think from a from a when I myself am playing, I think that what I get the most out of is that sort of in the moment taking risks. You don't necessarily know what's going to happen from an improvisation point of view. Um, and I think if you if you felt totally comfortable, that wouldn't be conducive to sort of making exciting, mm. spontaneous, you know, music that sort of surprises people and keeps you engaged as well as your audience and all that kind of all that kind of thing. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of learning to embrace not feeling comfortable <laughs> it's, um, it, it, I in all contexts <laughs> i imagine it's a petrifying thing i mean do you are there times where you 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 play with people for the first time or and you're just you know you're completely intimidated or even for the dream band setup do you walk into mm-hmm. that situation and you're completely not comfortable but confident in in your abilities and and the music that you've you've prepared and the way things are going to come off are you do you approach those things with trepidation or are you like no no this is this is going to be great uh, it's, it's such a good question. Um, I think I guess I'd make a distinction between good and bad types of uncomfortable. Like a bad type of uncomfortable is, um, you know, I'm on a gig. I should have memorized this music. I've memorized it 80%, so I'm stressed about the remaining 20. Or like, I don't know. I took a gig on flute with. Um, do you know the Do you know the Blackbirds? Yes, um, of course. You know, yeah. In, in, yeah, incredible, in, incredible. You know, American band students of Donald Bird. You know, yeah, they've yeah. done everything and played with everyone. Like I, I had a week at Ronnie Scotts with them playing wow. sax and. And I also had to play flute. And I just remember like being stood in the middle of the stage, taking a flute solo, thinking like, this is that like, I can't play the flute, you know, <laughs> like, what's, what's, what's going on here? Whereas, you know, that, that, that's maybe a, that, that's maybe a bordering on an unprofessional type of uncomfortable way <laughs> where that's not so good. But the good type of uncomfortable is, is like, you know, thinking about drummers on, on this album, like I go to a gig with Shane and I absolutely love playing with Shane and I never really know what's going to happen or what direction he's going to take it and that's so exciting and the same with you know the same with someone like Jason Brown can I hang with what Jason Brown decides to do in in that moment the same with the same with Jazz Kayser how is she going to approach these particular tunes with the sort of like musical background that she brings to brings to my music so that for me is the sort of good type of uncomfortable when you're being pushed by other people and you don't know what's going to happen and it kind of removes the risk of complacency i guess um which actually sounds like a bit of a complacent thing to say i will never get (laughs) i'll never get complacent i guess i'm not i'm not saying that just 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 knowing that you'll be pushed by people around you the way that they play your music i honestly i've had a few i've said this a few times on say this uh podcast we've been talking to to artists but the idea of any element of i mean i don't play an instrument but the idea of improvising on a Mm -hmm. stage with musicians just petrifies me you know like you know you kind of think if you're in that situation and you're kind of like I just imagine like I'm locking trying to lock eyes with someone saying don't do that what are you doing and it just becoming like everyone's doing their own thing I know it obviously it's a skill you don't just pick up an instrument or head to a stage and everyone's cohesive Mm -hmm. but I mean does it how how easy is not easy I beg your pardon but like is is something that's just very does it come with 
the more you play with certain people, you're able to kind of pick up on that. Or are you in a point where you could play with anyone who's professional enough in that context to understand that you're listening to each other and traveling in a singular direction? Mm, yeah, it's a really, it's a really good question. I mean, from from a from a being petrified point of view, which is is it because uh, I don't know to answer your question with a question, <laughs> is it is it around not having the language, the musical language? To, to be yes, able to... absolutely. I, I, the same way, like um, uh, improvised comedy, for example, you know, where mm. you get the people on the stage and you throw a word at them and they do a, a whole set based around that. You just think, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, how are you doing this? This is, mm. you know, you put yourself in the shoes of the people on the stage and you just think, how you know, this is, it's incredible. I by no means belittling it. I'm in awe of it. Mm. But you just kind of think, how 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 are you people able to do this? It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, a compliment I, well, in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I I take that I take the compliment and also agree with you from just watching videos online of when people like there's a, a it's kind of, I guess he's like a spoken words guy called Will Will Name, um, and he you know he takes audience suggestions and then he can produce a sort of ten minute. It's a little bit like oh, I'm gonna forget it, so it's 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 not worth saying. But there's um I. It, the spoken word and he's a rapper called black thought there's this right. um, there's like a 10 minute yes that's right on, on yes YouTube. oh my Man, gosh that absolutely blew my mind i can't believe that that is i um, love listening to that that's so good 10 minutes yeah 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 and it was like the lo- the longest anyone on that on that particular show had, had like yeah. come in and done it right and everyone was you could just hear all the people in the studio were just completely blown away um but yeah sorry um getting sidetracked yeah i guess i guess you're used to being in a context where you improvise so so that that itself doesn't feel unusual so you're used to wanting to react and have open ears and listen to what other people are doing and then yeah as you say people that you've known for 10 years like you know will barry on this album Mm. like you have more of an idea of the approach that they're going to bring and what they might do and how they might interact with you and how you might interact with them and obviously that's cool because that brings a sort of uh, a sort of familiarity and this sort of safety and trust and all things like that and then at the other end of that spectrum you have people that you haven't played with before and it's kind of in the same way as a conversation with someone that yeah I know it's in some ways it's a tired analogy but a conversation with someone that you haven't met before can be exciting because you you've got absolutely no idea what they're like or what they're going to say or the approach that they're going to have um and then finding that out can be really can be really cool. Um, it's the best thing about playing live, I guess. Um, and yeah, it is exciting turning up to a gig and uh, where you know you're going to improvise with someone that you've never played with before because you just you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it feels sometimes it can feel uncomfortable. Sometimes it feels exciting. But I think also sometimes it doesn't work, and that's kind of that's educational in itself. You know, like why wasn't the hookup happening that time like is that necessarily a bad thing um what does that sound like to an audience point of view versus to a musician point of view in the moment you know yeah no it's fascinating yeah wizards <laughs> you are <I> mean. <laughs> oh, man, man. Um, of your uh, long list of uh, frequent and amazing collaborators you have uh, is uh, it was lovely to see uh Charisse. Uh, Alice mm. Burnett on the lineup. Uh, obviously, you guys have worked together on uh, projects that you put out before your EP, I believe. Um, she's a great yes. vocalist. She's an absolute superstar uh, in the waiting, really. Um, mm-hmm. What is your kind of connection uh, with kind of how you work with her? Um, I couldn't tell you how we originally met, although it might be something like, um, I don't know if you know that 
that night at the Royal Albert in Deptford. Um, it's a Sunday night and it's run by a guy called Tom Sankey and he does this Good Evening series and it's always just rammed and quite rowdy um, and just a really great vibe. So I think I think I met Cherise there, but I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I've always just I've always just thought she's got a particular there's like a particular tonal quality in her voice that I sort of tend to hear sometimes when I'm writing, um, and I really like the way that it blends with saxophone and then I think from a technical point of view she's just got sort of total control over what she's doing like her reading is obviously amazing but like her execution is 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 yeah it's pretty um ridiculous so it's nice being able to write for someone that you that you just know will be able to nail any line that you write kind of thing um yeah talking about Charisse I saw her last night actually because I had a quartet gig at Cable Cafe in Oval and it was a it was a it was a fun it was a fun gig um but we didn't it's kind of like a the room's divided into two parts we didn't really have the 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 audience in the in the further away part of the room and then Charisse came and sat in and she just absolutely had the whole place in the palm of her hands and it was it was amazing man it's just incredible to see she's got such sort of stage presence and connection with the audience and the band and um, yeah she's great to work with yeah i imagine so she's got a great long uh kind of uh, a list of, of just wonderful music that she's been attached to from trope mm-hmm. to to various other yes. collaborations as well so yeah she's as i say superstar in the waiting she really is mm. Uh, I look forward to you guys hooking up way more uh, yeah, for, for the music. So, yeah. Um, there was um, something you said. I'm going to, sorry, I'm being a bit jump all over the place. Um, I don't know. It's fun. You had a, a real great point about um, uh, your approach to initially more straight ahead jazz. Um, mm. One of the cool things I thought with the Orb project uh, with Tom was it's probably from re- having just anything I'd ever read about it, it's potentially dubbed as your most kind of eclectic probably sounding project it's the project that was probably the most diverse in its in 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 the kind of the influences and the kind of overall sound of it which mm. well, firstly would you think that's a fair assessment or yeah i kind i kind of do the, the stuff with the stuff with the synths and they were slightly shorter tracks and slightly more produced yeah mm. i think that makes sense there was um the the what sometimes I can overanalyze things, but you have this <clears> even <throat> though it's it sounds you know I think I think quite different to to kind of other stuff that you put out. You've got this really great uh, t- the song title which kicks off the whole thing entitled "Not Jazz," <laughs> and I I that is like I could write a thousand words about that you know because about everything that that could mean. So yeah, I, I get I, so and I love it. I like I think it's such a sort of. Uh, a, like a, a tantalizing kind of um, uh, song title or album title for a project like that, because I'm, I'm always fascinated because I guess it, I mean, for a really long time, jazz was kind of like a dirty word here, like mm. in the UK. And it's really from people like yourself and uh, like Brownswood and all these amazing kind of <laughs> wonderful, like inspired young uh, innovative talent over the last, you know, say 10-ish years where you've kind of got this new perspective on what constitutes jazz now. And you, I, I kind of, I was fascinated by that as a song title for yourselves because is it a case of you guys saying, don't relegate us to just jazz. We do different things and we can step out of it. Or is it a case of you you look at that and say, don't relegate jazz to just one sound and we're going to go in this new direction, but we're taking jazz with us. Jazz is a part of, of, of what this, this project is. 
um, you know, in terms of it's it's outside of the box, but jazz is outside of the box. Do you know what I mean? Are you trying to step out of it or are you bringing it with you? That's a really overthought question. No, no, it's a, it, it, no, it's a really well put question. Well, I can say it's definitely not the it's definitely not the first one. Right. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't see a, 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 any any sort of description of music as jazz as, as any sort of relegation. Obviously, like right. the history of the music would sort of you know obviously you have absolute respect for the shoulders that you're Mm. standing on and the legacies that you're you know without which you wouldn't be i personally wouldn't be playing music at all um yeah so so definitely not the first one and then the second one is is interesting isn't it because i think i i I, the nice thing about just giving a song a title that's kind of a bleak like that is you don't have to articulate all of your thoughts about it like i'm gonna try and do now um (laughs) but i kind of i i guess i i I won't i'll say now i won't be able to but i think there's there's lots of stuff going on i think the the word jazz in itself is a contested word in terms of genre right um is that like especially in american history there's a sort of racist history of the use of the word jazz in terms of the way white promoters and musicians way back in the you right. know the twenties and thirties used to use that word um in relation to black music. Um so the the provenance of it is kind of contested and you've got um figures in America like the trumpet player Nicholas Payton that says, yeah, we shouldn't be calling it jazz, it's derogatory, we should be calling it black American music, um, which is a really interesting um and I think fruitful argument. Um so there's that, obviously. And then and and as you say there's people that are doing incredible things for jazz as a genre in this country, people like Shabaka Hutchings and Nabaya yeah. Garcia. And, you know, I think they don't seem to have any problem with, you know, taking jazz and doing their own really personal thing on it. Um, and, you know, they would be described as being within a jazz category. Um, but then, you know, the jazz category is incredibly broad. Uh, and I think, yeah, as you say, sometimes it, it has been seen in this country as a as a bit of a turn off, depending on who's playing it. And, mm. you know, I think I was thinking at the time of writing, there's certain pressures on you as a as a composer to fit into certain boxes in terms of genre. And if you, you know, if you write things that are less jazz or not jazz, that might get you on X Spotify playlist or it might bring you to the attention of Y audience or something. Um, so I just thought it's kind of ironic, given that the there's it's quite a loaded word and a contested word just the idea that you know you'd be under some sort of pressure to write something that was quote unquote not jazz there's just a lot of baggage attached Mm. to that um and particularly as a white musician i think it's you know the onus is very on you to be aware of these things right um so that's i guess those were the types of things i was thinking about it's not really articulated into an argument but just to give you a a sense no it's fascinating i mean it's funny when i kind of I, i don't know why i've got this i've yet to realize it in my but sometimes I don't like asking people to explain something like what I've just asked Mm. you know but I I thought it was a great kind of it was really kind of um uh there was just so many different exciting questions from it you know about Mm. what some you know potentially sort of exciting answers and it it defines in theory your perspective of the music you make I thought so I Mm. I did ask but sometimes I don't know why I, I I sort of don't like asking people to explain things or I kind oh, of, man. yeah because I just think it's kind of cool for someone to put it out there and it's a case of mm-hmm. for, for you you're probably thinking well I prefer people to interpret that in the way that they interpret that and I you know in I I you know so I can underappreciate sometimes people wouldn't want to explain certain things does that, does that make sense at all that does make sense but I think I still I still appreciate the question because mm-hmm. I it, it's important to be not made to to talk and think about things but obviously 
uh, yeah, I, I think it's nice to be given a chance to articulate right. your your thoughts on things. Awesome. Um, and yeah, if you find it if you find it interesting, and other people find it interesting, I think you're very much entitled to ask the question. Right. In, in as as much as someone else is entitled to say, oh, I'm not going to answer. Sure, it. sure. But, um, yeah, no, I find it interesting. Mm. It's a good question. Um, dude, that that's it. I've I've taken up uh, so much of your your time. Um, oh, man. I've, I've had the best time. I've really I've really looked forward to this, and it's been uh, just as great as I could have hoped it it would be. I've really enjoyed kind of picking your brains, and uh, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan, dude. I think you make some really stunning pieces of music, and it's kind of great to kind of have the chance to sit down and kind of just talk about your processes and and stuff like that. Yeah, man, it's really nice to it's really nice to talk to you properly because it's the longest we've spoken for. And yeah, just th- thanks for being you know thanks for being so enthusiastic about the music and asking interesting questions and just the support in general. Really, really appreciate it. I think I mentioned about a closing song to uh, mm. close the the episode and send everyone home super happy with. So, uh, did you have a moment to pick something uh, from Dream Band, from just something you're a fan of, something else from your catalogue at all? Is there anything you'd like to? Uh, yeah. To well, it's very nice of you to ask. I think if I'm picking something from Dream Band, I'm going to pick the first song, which is um, Wolf and Nina, which is the first uh, piece of music that I ever that I ever wrote that anyone wrote lyrics to. So oh, Maduro Yeager wrote lyrics to that, um, which, yeah, which was just a, a real privilege to hear. So I'm going to recommend that.
the wind to make you cry So brave you shake 